0: I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be...
1: afternoon and welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Today we're going to air our episode with Leanne Tui, and with her we talk about franchising and some of the great work that she's been able to do because of that platform and uh, out there in the community with foster kids and things of that nature. So uh, we do in the latest uh, bit of news that's been happening we reserve Any opinion or thoughts on the subject, Um, Leanne seems to be a fantastic lady, and really, quite frankly, um, we just want to focus on how franchising and being a fundamentally good person and giving back to the community can go hand in hand. So take a listen.
2: Um, So we're so excited to have our guest on the show today on Pillars of Franchising, Leanne Tui of The Blind Side. Um, dubbed a warrior princess by author Michael Lewis in the best-selling book, The Blind Side, Leanne is the inspirational matriarch of the Tui family. Um, she has inspired audiences everywhere to recognize the potential of individuals in their community and to find value in those who the society has deemed valueless. She shares her personal blindside ob- observations from seeing Michael Orr for the first time to how the experience changed her as a person and the Tui family as a whole. Um, She and her husband, Sean, have released New York Times bestsellers, multiple of them, but in the um, heartbeat, sharing the power of cheerful giving, they've established a charity, the Making It Happen Foundation. She's actively involved in foster care advocacy. She has her Forever Family Fridays on Instagram that you can follow to to get more information about that. But but the reason we invited her on the show today was because they had, um, I think, up to 87 franchise locations, Taco Bells, KFCs, Pizza Huts, Long John Silver's. And so we're going to talk to her today about how that has empowered her and her family to be able to do the things with their lives that they want to do. So, Leanne, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Thank you for having me, ladies. Very nice to see everyone. Oh, we're so excited to be able to talk with you about how exactly you got into franchising and all of the things that franchising has allowed you to do because you have a huge advocacy for um, foster children. And what a great way to give back. Um, to people so so tell us a little bit about that how did you get into the whole franchising scene well it's
3: really kind of a little bit of uh embarrassing little story not for me but <laughs> I, I have one sibling I have a brother and we're very close his name is Stanford Roberts and when he was a student at Ole Miss he um was over one night let's just say that <laughs> and apparently had a craving for taco bell mm-hmm. and uh, after driving around realized that there was no taco bell in oxford mississippi so he called my husband. I'm four years older than he is. And we'd already gone to bed. It was probably midnight and the phone rang. And it's one of you know, you look at the old caller ID on your phone. And it's like, uh-oh, it's late. And your heart drops. Yes. And I was like, hello, are you okay? And he goes, so, um, do you know there's not a Taco Bell in Oxford, <laughs> Mississippi? And I said, you know, we should probably talk about this tomorrow when you're going to remember this conversation. <laughs> and so the next day uh, bless his heart he he had great bounce back ability and he called me right morning, it's not really serious there was no taco bell in oxford so i i, I said well you know just flippantly kidding i yeah. said "Well, you just check that out and see what you can find out about it he's a very resourceful little creature and i will say <laughs> that how he did what he did he came back and he goes well there's, uh, there's somebody that's already kind of looking into putting one in Oxford and I don't know, but they, they told me that there might be some opportunities somewhere else and in, uh, in other places. And so I just gave them Sean's name and number. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, thanks, bye, you know. And I kid you not, I, I don't know if it was a month later, 45 days, but it was a considerable amount of time, but not like half a year. Right. That my husband got this random phone call from this person, and he goes, you know, I understand that you're interested in putting a Taco Bell franchise somewhere in the state of Mississippi, and my husband was like, he thought it was a prank phone call. He's like, really? (laughs) Well, is that what you understand, you know, (laughs) and and so lo (laughs) and behold, make the long story short, is that the guy said, well, we have an availability in Meridian, Mississippi, which we both had to look at a map and see where Meridian, Mississippi was, and at the time, my husband was working for someone else, and he said, look, if I'm going to, work this hard i'd rather be working for myself and Mm -hmm. we truly everybody that we'd ever met asked to borrow money from and found the necessary resources because there's many 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 hoops you have to jump through and keep in mind this was 30 we've been married 40 years in june so this was probably 35 or six years ago and we somehow we we were 20 let's go six years old. And wow. we filled out forms. I'd go, what do you think FICA is? I mean, who <laughs> even
1: <laughs> knew? <Who's> FICA? <laughs>
3: yeah, like, who is this person? And we somehow, I say it's, it's God driven because by the grace of God, we got the paperwork filled out, mm-hmm. mailed it in, it got there and the ball started rolling. And before I knew it, we had one Taco Bell in meridian mississippi and actually that blossomed into a hundred plus and we just work 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 i mean i can't my husband worked 70 hours a week for years and years and years and years and one became two and then two became five and five became ten and then it just and let me tell you along that journey, there were many, many nights that we were like, well, we don't have the money to, to open tomorrow. We don't have the money for payroll. We don't have yeah. that. So it was, th- this was not like, this was some smooth road with no bumps and hiccups. And there were landslides and avalanches and volcanoes that erupted and you name it. And it, it happened. So a lot of work, a lot of time in the gym and yeah. thank the Lord that it, it it worked so that's how we my brother uh, <laughs> after overindulging in uh, himself came up with this idea and that's how we started with with number one in Meridian Mississippi
1: that is amazing what a great story and so I assume that he has a job in the business somewhere he, did,
3: he and my husband were partners for years and years and uh, probably the last fifteen years well ten years. With COVID, I have no concept of I time. Know. I can't process the appropriate numbers. But he uh, went into construction and, and has done extremely well with that. But he was an integral part of building the business for many, many years. And we're, we're super close. And we actually opened uh, a new store today in Orlando, Florida. Had its soft opening today. So it's everyone's you know running around trying to make sure that garbage cans are emptied and there's enough Uh, you know pennies in the drawer to get make change and yeah on the the opening day this is a soft opening it's nothing that's you know broadcast yet so it's just everybody's feet wet and so yeah we're we're in the middle of, of the chaos right now
1: that's interesting don't you find that um you get to be really good at it, but it, every single situation still has its own chaos, right? No, like, every, every
3: store has its own set of problems, its own personality, its own story, you know, it depends on location and not as in the city, but like, I mean, not like in the state, but like, are you in a strip center? Are you on a main road? I mean, it, there's just so right. much that becomes a factor in, in, in uh, opening a, of a restaurant and just the daily life of a restaurant.
1: Well, restaurants in general, you were not you or you nor your husband were in the restaurant business, right?
3: No, but I mean this was one of the first. So we graduated from college uh, in June of 198 May of 1982, got married in June of 1982. And only for a year or so I was a I was a sales rep and then I my degree was in interior design and about a year after I graduated, uh, my mother's partner retired. When I got ready to go to college, my mother said, oh, you are going, by the way, you are going to major in interior design. And of course, I said, oh, oh yes, ma'am. I never questioned <laughs> her. You know, like I told my daughter that and she went, what I'm you yeah. doing
1: that? Yeah, yeah. So
3: there you go. Uh, but we, we've done, that's really all Sean has done. The majority of his adult life is, is okay. open restaurants. And it's all been under the Yum brand. So uh, we've okay. had the Taco Bell, KFC's, Pizza Hut's, Long John Silver's. A and Ws, there have been we've we ventured out and several years ago into the Freddy's world and he's uh-huh. had oh I don't know 10, 12 Freddy's. And I just like do not do those because all I do is go in there and eat everything. I mean, I eat all yeah. our stuff anyway. <laughs> but that those concrete milkshakes from Freddy's mm-hmm. are just flat addictive. Oh, they're great. So
1: but you when you first started, I mean obviously this was your brother's idea, and and you started like with one. Did you did you ever or your husband ever? talk about building this empire was that no
3: no i think in his mind that he said oh if i get like five stores i'll be happy
1: yeah
3: and back back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth and we first started doing this (laughs) it it was a a whole different ball game than it is now and and so it just you know you would have He had two stores in Meridian, Mississippi, and then he opened one in Winona, Mississippi, and then in Grenada, Mississippi, and then it it just, you know, he went across to Forest, Mississippi, and then he bought a whole clump from, from corporate in Jackson, Mississippi, and then he came up 55, and then he bought, you know, did Cenotopia mm-hmm. and all these stores on the way. And then he bought a clump of stores in Memphis. Well, then it, it just kind of made sense to keep going north. And he had, sure. some, you know, Jackson, Tennessee, and then he went over to yeah. St. Louis and then up to Cincinnati. His stores were like a crescent moon. They started in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Crescent down through St. Louis, Memphis, Jackson, Mississippi, and ended up in the panhandle of Florida, which he has them like Fort Walton to Panama City. And then he has five, uh, four here in Orlando, Florida.
1: So obviously the Yum brand, that corporation, that family of brands does extremely well. And there's something about them that you both really like. What is it about Yum brands that has not only attracted you initially, but, but kept you there and made you want to continue to grow various brands under that umbrella?
3: Well, I mean, I'm, look, I'm, you're speaking to the novice here, probably Sean should be talking about uh, the franchise world, but it, my limited knowledge of it, when you get in with a particular brand or restaurant, I personally feel like it's easier to build your brand into that world than just, you know, branching out and trying to do other things, because there's so many rules and regulations and restrictions. Yes. There's also a lot of, no, you know, non-compete, so like Taco Bell necessarily they would like if we say oh we, we're going to open Del Tacos they'd go not today right. yeah. so there you know there there's it's just it doesn't it's not necessarily your whim I mean there's you are guided and directed by a lot of rules and regulations in the franchise world so it's it's sure. just not as easy as what you want to see happen yeah. Yeah. Um, I think for me personally I, I'm on the Taco Bell Foundation board. And it's a, a great group of people that are on that board, and it is a the community of Taco Bell franchisees are very big givers, and our foundation does extremely well. We give away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scholarships, millions of dollars worth of scholarships every year to kids um, that are at need, at risk, and and just awesome. just kids that that you know otherwise might not have the opportunity to get an education. So I love what the Taco Bell. Um, scholarship and foundation does. I love their platform and their message and, and other franchise uh, organizations have great ones too. I'm just mm-hmm. very ha- uh, passionate about, as you said earlier, kids um, and foster care, kids that are aging out of the system, kids that have no structure, no stability, And I love that Taco Bell has a heart for that. And they want to see these kids have an opportunity for an education. And it might not necessarily be a four-year collegiate education. They're passionate about if kids want to go and learn how to be a computer um, coder or they want to go to learn how to work on big rig trucks or uh, go to cosmetology school, whatever your passion is, they are uh, all about helping you get to the next level.
1: So, I think yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah,
2: And I wanted to, to pull out some more about that. Um, so, so clearly you, you got into um, foster care and adoption through your son, Michael, or um, were you interested in that platform before him, or did he sort of open your eyes to the needs, especially of the ones aging out because he was um, an older child when he needed some help. So how, how did that passion develop?
3: Actually, prior to Michael coming to live with us, we had been involved with several other kids that there was one particular kid that was living with this family that we knew and they were trying to adopt him. That was my first introduction to it. And they, in my mind, had just been great, warm, loving, kind, had done all the right things. I thought this is going to be a piece of cake because I knew the history of where this child had come from. And I knew that there had been they had tried to. Um, reunite him with the family. There had been several incidences of them trying to do the right thing, and it was just not a good situation. And when they went to try to do it legally, it was like no. And I was, and I was like, well, what do you mean no? Yeah. And so that kind of opened my eyes to the system. It's a very flawed system. And every state's different. We need federal laws and regulations to look into the whole foster care adoption. It's just, it's just a bad that we don't. We could talk forever yeah. about it. That's another whole you know, sidebar. But mm-hmm. no, we already knew when um, Michael came into our lives. I already kind of knew the I knew what how what, how this was going to be, and and so I, we put off doing anything for a very long time because in the people that had crossed our path, it that's a piece of paper to me. I mean, you know, I, it didn't matter to me whether I legally adopted someone or not. I knew that I loved them. I knew they were a part of our family. I knew they'd yeah. always be welcome into our family, but it got to a point that. He was just, I'm like, okay, well, all of a sudden he's been here for a really long time and I I need to try to get, you know, medical care and dental care and things like that. And you walk in with a 6'6 African American with a five foot two blonde and even like trying (laughs) to get his social security number and things you knew he had were, you know, driver's license, passport, just stuff. It's like well, why, why do you, what do y'all do? Yeah. You know, yeah. you're, you're not doing clearly reasons? his mother. Yeah. 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 So it, so it was, it just became a necessity in our world just to get things done. You know, he needed a a passport he needed a driver's license to drive he needed so there were just it was just like this needs to happen Mm -hmm. so unfortunately I I wish it was a cut and dry system in this country it's not it's just very messed up and all these kids are in this situation to no fault of their own they didn't ask to be there they're not damaged goods there's not something wrong with them Uh, it's just because of choices that other people made, they are in this situation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's great that you were able to find um, a franchise model that is so closely aligned with what your passion is. I know um, when we were looking to buy a franchise and a lot of people out there, you know, who are transitioning right now into buying a business want to have a way to give back. And, And that was really important for me. So when we were comparing companies and models you know, we were drawn to the Molly Maid uh, franchise because they support victims of domestic violence through the Ms. Molly Foundation. And so as people are out there, and our listeners are, are hearing this. I mean, I think this is yet just another um, point to make. If you're looking for franchises with a cause, they're out there. And sometimes it's the cause that really pulls you in that direction more so than the model you know, right. and I know I'm that all about to...
3: purchasing with a purpose, you know, it's yeah, just, yeah, it really, I mean, I think everything that you do should have a purpose, but especially when you're talking about massive amounts of valuable time that you're going to put into it, that it really is great to be aligned and, and have yeah. likeness and commonalities. And if you can do that, cause you know, you're going to be spending an inordinate amount of time getting a new business off the ground. So if you can find an organization or franchise or company that is passionate about making a difference and that that is a part of the being in the fiber of that franchise or that company then you're going to want to jump in and be more involved so i don't know that you can always do that but yeah. if that is a possibility then i think that that's great because that's just going to motivate you as an individual to get up and be more involved and spend more time
1: getting the company or the franchise to where it needs to be Yeah, absolutely. Nothing like giving back to the community you serve is what I always say. So Mm -hmm. and then we we, you had the movie written about you and your family and Michael. Um and that I didn't realize that's been a few years back. But Mm -hmm. people remember it, that is one of those movies that it just doesn't go away. So um has that created any um I don't know, do you hear people go into the businesses that you own and they're like, oh, this is owned by Or do they have no idea that you own those businesses?
3: (laughs) Molly's behind me shaking her head. She works with me. I think people know, you either know about the blind side or you don't. I mean, a vast majority of people do. And it has been a number of years. It just tends to be a movie, I think, that resonates with people, which is great. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's many takeaways from it, whether it's valuing people or giving or making a difference. Realizing that families don't have to match, learning to love yes. people that don't look like you—I mean, whatever your takeaway from that movie is—there's a lot of opportunities that you can look at that, and you know, different people take away different things from it. Yeah. But I don't think—I I, I don't think a lot of the people that go into one of our stores realize that. Oh, that's the people from the Blind Side. There are some that do. Yeah. We were in the store, one of the stores yesterday, and several people realized that. So if if, you know, if people see us. There, then they can, they connect the dots, right. but I don't think that that's necessarily uh, happens on a, a regular basis, Yeah, but it's, you know, it's been some years, but we're, we look, if, if people, there are so many great communications we get, whether it's via DMs on social media or com or the foundation website that people tell us relatable stories. Like, you know, I was going, I was with an aging parent and they had to get Uh, dialysis every week and that this movie calmed them down, or I have a child, a special needs child. And they read this movie resonates with them. It's just, there's so many wonderful stories that we hear from it. I mean, we didn't have anything to do with the movie. We didn't make money off the movie. We didn't get, we didn't get to pick who played, you know, it was just kind of a God driven thing. And, but the fact that, you know, all these years later that it still resonates with people and that God, tends to use it still to make a difference in people's lives. For that, we're very appreciative and grateful.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's awesome. I mean, the world continues to change every day, right? So, and we just become more flexible to that. Yeah. So
2: Leanne, as we're wrapping up here, I'm getting close to the, the end of the interview. Tell us about your foundation. Tell us what people can do to make a difference and what your foundation sets out to do. And talk to us a little bit about your Forever Family Fridays.
3: Well, uh, each Friday on my social media, on my Instagram, on Facebook, I post a child that's ready to be adopted. We spend an ordinate amount of time vetting these kids, finding a kid that is ready to be adopted. They don't have to stay in the state they're in. They can this this child. All we need is someone to say yes. We will open our hearts and our homes to this child. We will provide them with love and structure and support. We will be there for them. We will get them a Christmas present. Whatever you normal is to you, it's not to these kids. And that's what we're hoping to provide for them. So you can go to my Instagram on Friday. You will see a child posted. And my biggest implore, my greatest ask is the more that people like that button and and the algorithm gets up and more people see those, those kids. And we literally, the last couple of weeks, we posted a a young man a couple of weeks ago, and there were 24 people that, like our next, our last post, 24 people inquired about um, adopting that young man. I only want one person. 24 just makes me like giddy. I just want to (laughs) be cartwheels. It's just amazing because if only one child gets adopted then that's a game changer. But we're really having great success with this. And our foundation, the Making It Happen Foundation, is just about providing support for these kids that are aging out of foster care. Because you take somebody like a Michael Orr or whomever, and um, the, the system takes care of them on one day when they're 17 years old. And then at midnight, they turn 18, and they're pretty much just to the curb and yesterday we provided for them and today they've got nothing and and they don't have uh, the education that they need they don't have a family they don't have a you know i look around at my kids and my family and friends and i can't tell you the amount of my friends that are taking care of their uh, you know 17 18 19 20 21 22 (laughs) and it goes up 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 they're paying phone bills and gas bills and insurance policies and feeding them three nights a week and subsidizing their rent but yet we think these kids can age out of foster care at age 18 and boom do it themselves. Yeah, and then they yeah. turn to drugs and prostitution and sex trafficking. And we're like, yeah. how did this happen? And well, yeah. I mean, come on. What did you think was going to happen? That's well, right. That's when right. you're in your
2: own home, I have five children who range from 23 to 15 and one is completely independent. The other one is still on our insurance. He's mostly independent. But when I look at my 19-year-old who's home for spring break right now, he goes to Southern Miss, by the way, um, he's not ready. He's right. a smart, bright boy yeah. with a lot of advantages. He's not yeah. ready you know, to do yeah. all of those things. So to think that somebody who hasn't had parental guidance and, love yeah. and security and support, to think that somebody like that who, who would be ready is just ludicrous.
1: Right. Yeah, correct. There's got to be a great transition place for them. They probably don't even understand. like like in the movie, when he said, I've never had a bed before, yeah. I was like, Oh, you know, and but that's the reality of some that of that is
3: a 100% beds. the reality and happens every day somewhere in this country in the whole world. Oh. And one great thing from that scene is, I, I can't tell you how many foundations have sprung up because of that that are providing mattresses and bedding and things for kids that have never had a bed, numerous, yeah. numerous, numerous ones. And so I'm very proud of that, that people look at scenarios like that and go, you know, I may not can adopt, but I can provide a bed for somebody. Absolutely. And so that's a beautiful thing. And there are just like, I have a friend comfort cases and they don't rob, my friend Rob Shearer, he does not want... Foster kids, when they age them out, most of them go out with a black garbage bag, and they try to provide backpacks, and I mean backpacks, that are filled with so many things that these kids need to try to get started. So a lot of great things have come from the movie, and if people continue to watch it and go out and want to make a difference and have a heart to inspire and uplift others, then gosh, I'm all about that, because these
1: kids certainly need it. Well, it gave me chills. And I have to say, if anybody watches it and they don't get chills and it doesn't touch them, there's something wrong.
3: <laughs> <I've agreed. laughs> I agree, I agree really. with you. I agree with you. We just had a group of, of kids in uh, to the Orlando area a couple of weeks ago. And they're, they're actually, they were from different places in the South. And we brought three kids in at one time to take them to the Disney parks and, you know, none of them had ever flown. None of them had ever stayed in a hotel. None of them had ever eaten a meal where you paid for it after you ate. I could just go on and on and on and on of of the things. And people, like I just said a minute ago, people always say, you know, I just can't adopt. It's too daunting. That's great. You may not can adopt, but there are things that you can do. You can mentor kids. You can read with them for an hour. You can go over math with them. You can pick up, do a big brother, big sister, take a kid to lunch, take them to ride elevators. Uh, treat them to a meal where they pay, you pay for it after they eat. If you don't know what you can do, you you hook up with me on my social media and I will help you find something to do. Trust
1: me. And and that's great because that's exactly what I was going to ask you next is, can you please tell our listeners and viewers how to get in touch with you and or the foundation so that um, everyone can jump in and start helping out where America really needs it?
3: Well, I, you can go to com. Uh, I have an Instagram. It's just LeighAnneTui, Facebook. Our foundation is the Making It Happen Foundation. So it's just www.MakingItHappenFoundation.com. We have a place you can go there and leave questions. And we have some great women that work every day with me that read these things and we, we pull them all together and we try to do what we can with all the requests. And, and so we just do everything that we can to answer every single person that mm-hmm. ask us and, and, and direct you, we do a lot of dot connecting, uh, whether it's, hey, I, I live in a city, and do you have a tutor for a foster kid? We, we just, there's, you just can't imagine the things we get asked. Some of them we go, up oh, stupid, delete. Um, right. but, but for the majority <laughs> of them, um, we, we try to jump in and do what we can
1: to, to help. Absolutely. Well, I have to say, I, you know, I'm sure on behalf of a lot of people and listeners out there, thank you for all the great work that you do. And I love that you know, the franchise you guys chose is so closely aligned. And I'm sure that with all of your great success, that allows you more time to focus on the foundation and do great things with it. So thank you so much for coming on you. This will not be the last time I'm sure that we speak with you, whether it's about young brands, or whether it's about, you know, making it happen or the blind side, there's just so much that we could learn about you and the great work that you do. So thank you so.
4: Hey franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, or westvine with a y.com.
1: Hey, Jerry. Uh Oh, we can't hear you. It's got to be the mix up in your phone versus your iPad again. But I know you're coming on and we're going to talk about your book, Live It to Own It today. And the chapter we're going to talk about is chapter 10. And i don't see your little mute sign but you're still not coming through with any audio nope i don't know what's happening here but if you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy of jerry's book it is live it to own it and you can find that on amazon he has it available in a paperback uh, as well as in digital uh, form, so you can download that. I happen to have both copies or both ways, and I love the um, actual paperback because then I can highlight and I can page flag and everything else and put notes in it. Um, and then obviously I have the digital form that I can take with me anywhere I go on my phone. Jerry, are you with it's got great artwork. It does. The artwork is really cool, and you don't get any of that on the digital version.
0: No, none of it, Kristen. I'm sorry for the problem, but no you're worries. Right. My phone was muted. I don't know what's going on. But anyhow, here I am. I tell yeah, you, Leigh Tui was fantastic, wasn't she?
1: She is the kindest, nicest lady. I mean, I just don't know what else to say about her. And, and the, the image she painted for me in my head, I can't get it out when she said that, you know, these, these poor foster kids turn 18 and they literally throw them on the street with a black garbage bag.
0: Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> you know i was sitting that's terrible all that stuff but i was sitting here thinking i'm a big sandra bullock fan oh but yeah. after listening to you know listening to the real thing i think she could have played her own part in that movie to be honest with you
1: for sure for sure yeah without a doubt very he's great very, well i want to talk about operations today my favorite part
0: is Well, you you know, Kristen, here's the thing most people don't understand, and if you're not in a franchise system in particular, you don't understand it, but unfortunately, far too many people who are already in in the franchise system don't understand it. Operations makes and breaks the whole organization. If your operations aren't where they need to be, it doesn't make any difference But your product or services, you will not be successful. You have got to be able to operate that at a very high level, and you know, There's a lot of beautiful things about franchising, but one of, the, one of the detractions, I think, that we need to keep in mind is so many franchisees come in and they buy the whole business in a box thing and the fact they don't have to be engaged. And right. as you've heard me say this in other chapters, in other subjects, but the fact is, if that franchisee doesn't stay engaged and build a great structure and a, and a great community and great culture they're going to be they're gonna be upside down forever. So sure. I really wanna I really wanna dig into this and and anybody that buys my book, I want you to mark up this whole chapter because it yep. is critical. And what most of our other mentors would tell you, and you'll see this in the operations chapter, it still comes back to the people. Absolutely because it doesn't make any difference how what your hierarchy is or you know what the hard things are that make up operations. It still comes back to the people and the culture. So Um, You know, we've done a lot of turnarounds, a lot of acquisitions and turnarounds. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing we've done that has led to doubling and tripling volume in some of those turnarounds is change the organizational structure and work with the people to retrain them internally, because that's what your customers see.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Those who touch the customers, right. And I don't mean physically, but have that direct impact.
0: Yeah, so I've got a list of things and I'll just throw some things out here for us to to kind of think about. I always start when I'm talking about operations and I'm talking about a franchisee, I always talk about leading from the front because if you can't be out in front and show your team what you believe in and what you stand for and what you expect, there's not a chance they're all going to do it when they're with the customer. So for anybody thinking about becoming a franchisee, you got to understand that's going to be one of the keys. If you're already a franchisee and you, there's struggles in your world, take a look in the mirror and make sure that mm-hmm. you're doing everything you should be doing before you start breaking down everything going on within the organization. So for me, that's number one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's critical that you're authentic with your staff because you want them to be authentic with the, the uh, people that are dealing with the customers, the clients, the, patience, whatever it might happen to be. You've got to be authentic. You can't have a false face in front of them because they'll sense it. And okay. if you don't, if you don't stand for something, you don't stand for anything. I mean, they, they're just going to give up. So you got to be authentic with those people. They've got to really believe that you are engaged and that you're doing the things you're asking them to do. That's right. So uh, the, the next one I'll tell you is roll up your sleeves. And you heard me say it time and time and time again, I sweep hair when I go into salons. That's the only thing in that salon I'm qualified to do. I sweep (laughs) a lot of (laughs) hair. Well, you can come
1: over to my business, Jerry, because you're qualified to do all kinds of toilet cleaning and kitchen cleaning. There's no whole part over here.
0: I I can do about anything. It just depends on how well you pay. Okay. (laughs) Got to understand that, Kristen. <laughs> but you know, you, you got to model the ways, you got to model the expectations, and that comes down to you. And yep. it's easy for me to walk out of a bathroom in one of our salons that's, that's not up to my standards and complain to somebody, but it sends a whole different message when I go grab things and go back and clean that bathroom. Because I right. guarantee you, the staff is all watching and
1: Absolutely. they're going,
0: Oh, we, we should have done a better job. Jerry caught us. I don't have to say a word, and it immediately changes. Yep. So making sure you're ready to do all of that kind of stuff is critical. Um, You know, another thing, and many franchisees get in their own way with this. You got to let your ego go. So when you talk about operations, you put something in place for operations. And if it doesn't work, don't beat a dead horse.
1: Right.
0: Change it. Talk to your staff and say, man, this was great. It's the way that, you know, maybe other people do it or something like that, but it's not working for us. So let's team up. Let's work together as a group. It's not just me and my team. It's all of us as a team. Let's work together and come up with a solution to this. And when your staff helps solve that problem, your operation side just continues to run smoothly after that because they feel like they own it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They have buy-in. And you know what's interesting is, you know, a lot of the metrics and things are set or outlined or defined by your franchisor, right? So when people think the business in the box, Maybe that's where they're getting it, but it's not that easy because it's not just here you go and it works. You have to make it work. You have to build the teams that make it work. You have to figure all of it out. It doesn't just happen automatically.
0: Well, well, no. And everything we've just talked about is a part of that, right? Because mm-hmm. you you've gotta be able to get your teams to a certain level. And a yep. lot of that comes back to you and what you expect corporate does a lot of cool things and they send out a lot of stuff, but still it's your business. It's your organization. So keeping, keeping goals in sight so that your staff understands them and understands the reasons for them. And in some cases, the whole, the old, uh, you know, with them what's in it for me type thing. So meeting your goals and what does that lead to for you and so on. We're big on all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, and this is going to sound funny, but franchisees, if they're really engaged, still need to rest once in a while. So part of your organization is putting your heart and soul into it and then stepping away, letting your team do their thing, take a little rest, take a breath, and then review it with them and continue to go back and making sure they're doing it the way that it should be done. But at the same time, let them grow, let them explore, review it from afar. So there's a, there's a long list of other things that we can talk about under operations, but for me, it's all critical coming back to that. And so the only way that that works is if you can keep your staff. So training them beyond just the nuts and bolts of running it might like we give um, we give financial literacy training to our stylists. So they understand how to manage their money. So they're happier with their job. They're happier with their income because they see their life changing. Uh So even that is something pretty cool to do because retaining those good staff members is the future of your organization. So operations, still is all wrapped into people.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I like real quickly, you said on here, always be recruiting. And I think that is even more critical today than ever before.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, I, I think it's critical to always be recruiting. Number one, you don't know when somebody's going to leave. So having somebody okay. in the, you know sitting on the bench waiting for you. I train people, I hire them. I have a little higher overhead sometimes than I need to, but there's always somebody ready to step in. So we don't miss a beat. Uh, I'll find things for them to do. I'm hiring doctors before I have a clinic to put them in right now and letting them work part-time in other clinics and paying them so they're ready to go. So always be recruiting. And then let's face it, sometimes you have trouble with a staff member. It would be great to have somebody that's going to do the job better. So you have to be prepared for that, too. So I think always be recruiting is critical. And before we hear from Fred in the background, I am still very bullish on this being a great time to be into franchising. Buy a franchise, do your research, and for those of you even thinking about it, remember you got this whole group of pillars, people, that are here to mentor you and help you and answer questions, and we don't go away. When you need us, we're going to be here. So now's a great time to consider Absolutely. franchising.
1: Thank you so much, Jerry. As, as he said, we're all here to help you find the good, the bad, and the ugly about all the brands that you might be interested in. Thank you again, and be sure to check out Jerry's book, again, online or in the paperback version, Live It to Own It. Fifty
0: graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands. More than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com.
1: And thank you all for joining us today for another episode of Pillars of Franchising. I'd like to give a huge shout out to Jerry Akers, Andrea Mundy, Ray Piller, and Karen kimsey Sword, as well as Laura List for their continued support and insight on all things franchising. And Last but not least, a shout of thanks to Fred McMurray, our producer. I am Kristen Shalmetzi, your fifth franchising mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcast. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great week.